Welcome to Unfuck Your Brain, the only podcast that teaches you how to use psychology, feminism, and coaching to rewire your brain and get what you want in life. And now here's your host, Harvard Law School grad, feminist rock star, and master coach, Kara Lowenthal. Hello, my darlings. I feel like it's been a while because I pre-recorded last week's podcast two weeks ago. I was all over the place last week. First, I went to Chicago and I got to meet some of you in person, which was super fun. I think we should have meetups all the time. And I did a workshop at an AmLaw 200 firm in Chicago, and some of you were in the audience, which was great. And I got to hug one of my favorite clients who worked in the same building. And then I went to Detroit with a friend for a weekend away. And oh my God, if you have not been to Detroit, you need to go to Detroit. I'm about ready to just move there and set up a coaching office in the Fisher Building. Like the architecture is amazing. It's like New York in the 1970s and basically everything costs $10. is fantastic. I highly recommend. But anyway, so now I'm back. And before we dive into today's topic, I also want to remind y'all that this podcast is soon going to be rebranded as the Unfuck Your Brain podcast. So I'm expanding my practice to work with high achieving feminist women in general, not just lawyers. I'm just wrapping up the new intro and artwork and music and all that jazz. Super excited for you guys to see it, but I don't want anyone to be confused or scared. (laughs) I know change is frightening sometimes, so I'm going to keep reminding you until the transition day comes about what's happening. I don't want anyone to wake up one day and be afraid that the podcast has disappeared on them. And the back episodes are not disappearing. We're going to keep them for a while. Okay. I think that's all of our preliminary business. So today we're going to be talking about one of the topics that I know touches so many of you personally, and I have gotten a lot of requests from you guys to talk about this, and I totally understand why, because it was a real issue for me before I learned how to coach myself, and that is imposter syndrome, the scariest sounding of the thought patterns, (laughs) right? It's a syndrome. I've been thinking a ton about imposter syndrome because it's really at the heart of the problem and the transformation that unfuck your brain coaching problem solves. You know, like I often say the program is for women who believe in empowerment, but often don't feel empowered. And that's exactly what's going on in imposter syndrome. So I know some of you know this term and you've read the think pieces about it. And then some of you probably actually experienced this, but don't know the term. I was just on a consultation call with one of you listeners recently who described this exactly and was like, is there a name for it? Yes, there is a name. The name is imposter syndrome. So how do you know if you have imposter syndrome? Let me give you a few kind of questions and see if you think yes to any of these. Do you ever feel like all of your accomplishments might have been due to luck or chance or appearance or connections or anything else that isn't your own kind of smarts or drive or talent? And sometimes your brain can get really sneaky about this. Like I had a client whose imposter syndrome took the form of saying, oh, I am a really hard worker. But now I'm at this point in my career where I have to also be like a good analytical thinker and I have to be strategic and I'm not good at those things, right? So it's like she was sort of validating that she had gotten to where she'd gotten through hard work, but she was still telling herself she was an imposter because she was telling herself that she didn't have the sort of real goods, right? Like she just could work hard, like that was no big deal, but she didn't have the real brains for it. Or do you ever worry that you're going to be exposed as a fraud, right? Even when you're well into your career or area of expertise, do you always have the sense that like someone's going to figure out that you don't know what you're doing or that you made a dumb mistake or that you're not smart enough or good enough? 
do you feel like everyone around you is smarter or works harder and does a better job than you do? I think your brain will really pretend this one is objective, right? I mean, I get all my clients are like, I just, everyone else is working harder than I do. I'm like, that can't be possible because you're all telling me the same thing, right? So your brain might be telling you that you aren't as smart as everyone else. You don't work as hard as everyone else. One of the things that's so interesting about imposter syndrome is that it'll take any fact and use it, right? So I have clients saying like, well, I only got this job because I went to Harvard Law School, right? That's my imposter syndrome. And then there's other clients saying, well, I'm an imposter because I didn't go to Harvard Law School. I only went to Michigan State or whatever, right? So it's like your brain will look for whatever is unique to your story and then still turn that around and use that as a reason that you don't fit in and aren't the same as everyone else and are an imposter or are a fraud or are missing something that you need to have. Another question you might ask yourself is, do you find yourself terrified of making mistakes and constantly believing you're likely to make one, no matter how expert you get at your career. It is really not uncommon that clients will come to me and be like, every time I have to file in a case, I really get stressed out and I worry that I'm going to miss something big and there's going to be a huge problem. And I'll say like, well, how many of these filings have you done in your career? And they'll be like, I don't know, 300, (laughs) right? Like so many, they've been doing it for so long. But it doesn't matter because their brain is constantly scanning for this mistake which we know, you know, is super common, particularly for lawyers. So when you have imposter syndrome, it's not exactly that you don't think you've ever accomplished anything or amounted to anything. It's more subtle than that. Usually you're really high functioning and you see that there are external indications that you're successful and you're skilled, but you don't believe that you are. So you have this cognitive dissonance between what you know other people think about you, like other people would look at my career and be like, well, She went to Harvard Law School and she clerked on a federal court and she got, you know, the one reproductive rights fellowship in the country her year. And then she got these academic fellowships. Like there's this external evidence that would seem to indicate that I knew what I was doing, (laughs) right? So when you have imposter syndrome, it's not exactly that you don't think you've ever accomplished anything or amounted to anything. It's kind of not that dramatic. Usually you're really high functioning and you see that there are external indications that you're successful and skilled, but you don't believe that you are. So I had this 100%, right? I could look at my career when I was still practicing and say, all right, I went to Yale, I went to Harvard, I clerked on a federal appeals court, I got the only reproductive rights fellowship in the country my year for litigation, I got these academic fellowships, like anybody looking at my resume would think that I was clearly like talented and skilled and good at what I did. But I didn't believe it. My brain had a whole bunch of explanations. Well, you only got into Yale because you were a legacy because your mother went there. And then you only got into Harvard Law School because they wanted more women, which like also doesn't make sense. There's still a lot of women in the country, right, that they could have taken. None of this makes sense. And it was like, well, you only got your clerkship because not that many people want to clerk in New Orleans. And then you only got your fellowship because you knew some of the people in those organizations, which again, it's like you could tell that story as I had decided in law school that I wanted that fellowship and I had gotten all the experience you would need and pursued it single-mindedly and developed the relationships I would need and the experience I would need to get it, (laughs) which is a totally legitimate way to get a fellowship, right? (laughs) Like that's how you do it. But my brain totally turned that against me and used it as a reason to show that I didn't deserve what I had achieved. So that's what kind of characterizes imposter syndrome. You have this cognitive dissonance between what you know other people think about you or what someone might rationally deduce from looking at your life and how you actually feel inside. 
So if you were to define it and boil it down to kind of a sentence, I think that imposter syndrome is essentially the feeling that you are an imposter, not surprisingly, right? The feeling and fear that you'll be found out to be undeserving or unqualified or revealed as a fraud. It sounds like such dramatic language, but that really is how we think about it when we're suffering from this, right? We feel like we're going to be found out. Someone is going to reveal that we don't know what we're doing or we don't deserve to be where we are. It's a totally bizarre fear in many ways. Like I used to literally think that I would be found out as a fraud, even though I had not lied about anything. I was actually a lawyer. That was true. My entire resume was true. Nothing was fraudulent or a lie. But that didn't really matter because the emotional experience I was having was being not good enough. And to me, that is really the underlying truth of imposter syndrome. It's about the not good enough feeling, right? It's about that like fundamental conviction you have that you are unworthy in some kind of unspecified way. And that's what gives rise to the syndrome. And I think the classic sign of imposter syndrome is the phrase, I know rationally, X, but I feel like Y, right? Like I know rationally that I have gotten lots of prestigious jobs, but I feel like I don't deserve them. I know rationally that it's better to be alone than in a bad relationship, but I feel like there must be something wrong with me that I haven't found a partner yet. It's so hard to wrap your brain around because it truly does not make sense on the surface. Imposter syndrome feels like there's just no connection between what you can rationally see other people would see about you and how you actually feel, right? So I am going to talk to you guys about how to change imposter syndrome, actually really specifically. But before we talk about how to cure it, we need to understand where it comes from. So this is really one of the main tenets of my coaching and the way that I try to teach you guys on the podcast, which is you want to understand where these things came from. Not in the therapy model where understanding will lead to change, right? I don't think that usually works. It didn't work for – let me say this more Concretely, that didn't really work for me. And for a lot of my clients, having insight did not lead to changed behavior. I think a lot of therapeutic models, that's the assumption. Like insight will lead to change. And for some of us, insight just leads to doing the same goddamn thing while knowing why we're doing it, right? So I don't think that insight is enough. But because a lot of what women suffer from is various forms of internalized social conditioning and self-critical thinking that they take to be just true thoughts about themselves, because that's a really big problem for women, I actually think it's super important to talk about where these thought patterns come from. And then we talk about how to change them. But it gives you that perspective and that distance, right? One of the kind of core points of meditation is that it teaches you to disidentify with your thoughts, to see that you are not your thoughts. And what I do is really the same thing in this more analytic way. And one of the ways of doing that is being able to identify, oh, my brain tells me all these things that are wrong with me, and I just believe them. But actually, if I think about it, those sort of came into my brain because society tells all women to criticize themselves in those ways, right? Or sometimes it's the family, whatever it is. So that's why I always take the time to talk about how social conditioning impacts these things. And that's really part of actually why I'm kind of expanding this work beyond just lawyer stress and into the kind of unfuck your brain platform, right? Because I do think it's a bigger mission. And part of that is seeing how social conditioning gets inside our heads and sort of presents itself to us like it's our own thoughts. It's like it goes undercover. It's in disguise, right? So if you're raised as a woman in our society, 
you're constantly encouraged to second-guess yourself, to criticize yourself, and to doubt your own worth. You're told that your appearance is what matters most about you, but that if you care about your appearance too much, you're vain, right? No way to win. You're told that you should want to be smart and ambitious, but that men won't want to be with you if you are. You're told to be bold and confident. That's cool now. But if you talk too much, you're still shrill and aggressive, right? You're told you should be able to stand up for yourself, but that if you're too assertive, you're a bitch. There's no way to win. And it means that even if you didn't absorb the messages that you're inferior, you probably did absorb the messages that you should be constantly doubting your own instincts and inclinations and worrying about whether or not they're justified and how they are perceived, right? All of that goes into creating imposter syndrome. So you've got the cultural conditioning. And then there's the family patterning that a lot of people experience that adds to the problem. So the social conditioning can come through your family, right? That's one version of it. There's also a version where if you're taught that your value is your intelligence and accomplishments, which a lot of us high-achieving women are, we think our brain is like the thing to be proud of, then you'll be terrified of finding out that you're not as smart as you thought, right? Or more importantly, as other people thought. You know, it sounds like encouraging women to, for instance, really focus on their intelligence and their accomplishments as opposed to like how they look or who they marry should lead to high self-esteem. It's like a more feminist perspective. And your parents might even have thought that's what they were encouraging for sure. Like we're going to teach our daughter to focus on her accomplishments and not her looks. But by telling you to base your self-worth on your intelligence, right, they may have inadvertently set you up to be super concerned about whether you're smart enough for the rest of your life right? It's sort of like, just like if you raise someone to be very concerned about their looks, they're going to be obsessed with their looks and what other people think of them. So this is not about blaming your family. I don't think that's helpful. But just showing you that if you were raised to really value yourself based on your accomplishments and your intelligence, as opposed to just like you have value for existing, right? If you were raised to really value yourself based on your accomplishments and you have also absorbed any kind of critical talk, any critical patterns in your family or the social conditioning of encouraging women to doubt themselves and worry about what other people think, those things can combine to make you really fixated on whether you're smart enough, whether you're good enough, whether you deserve to be where you are and how you might be kind of fooling everyone in your career. So social conditioning plus family baggage plus self-critical thoughts all day long I mean, talk about the self-talk soundtrack, right, which we talked about in a previous podcast. The imposter syndrome is a form of your own self-talk. That's what really creates it. All of the social conditioning and the family conditioning, everything else gets internalized and then repeated back to you in your own voice, in your own self-critical thoughts, right? That's your self-talk and that's what really creates it. So what are the impacts of imposter syndrome? First of all, it just feels terrible, right? We're encouraged to spend tons of money on how we look to others, like our clothes and our shoes and our makeup and workout trends and diet books and cleanses and everything else. But society doesn't teach us to invest in our own mental health. And in fact, as women, we're socialized to think that we are oversensitive or silly when we have strong feelings. So I always like to say just first things first, you feeling shitty is a problem worth solving in and of itself, right? Just the fact that you feel like an imposter is a problem worth solving because it's really unpleasant, right? And how you feel your mental health, it does impact everything else in your life, right? And we can talk about that, but also it just feels terrible and you not feeling terrible 
is something that is worth investing your time and money in. That actually does matter despite what society tells you. So that's the baseline. But it's also worth solving imposter syndrome because of the way it interferes with you getting what you want in life, right? The imposter syndrome voice will drive you to really focus and prioritize external validation, right? What other people think of you, getting those brass rings, and to really shy away from risks and change and doing something unconventional that you really want to do, right? You feel insecure, so you don't go for the promotion. You don't negotiate for the raise. You don't ask that cute guy or girl out. You don't set boundaries with your mom about what she can say to you about your body. You don't wear that bikini, even though you want to. You'll hold yourself back in life, and you'll undermine your own success and happiness, because you're convinced that you don't deserve it and that it can be snatched away at any moment if the truth is revealed. And because you don't believe you can even get it, right? If you're an imposter, why would you be able to get a promotion? Why would you invite that level of scrutiny, right? What if someone finds out during the process? So imposter syndrome does not go away on its own. This is so important because it often combines with perfectionism And our brain kind of lies to us and tells us that if we just get that next goal, then we'll be able to believe that we're worthy, right? I used to do this all the time. It's like, oh, okay, well, my litigation fellowship didn't count because I had, you know, planned for it and worked for it and gotten to know the people I needed to get to know and gotten the expertise I needed. So for some reason, that didn't count. But if I got an academic fellowship, like academics are super smart. So if I got an academic fellowship, then I could feel okay. I got an academic fellowship. I got several offers. Shockingly, I did not feel any better, right? There's no level of accomplishment that will mute those voices in your head. The thoughts they're offering you that you don't deserve your success, that you accidentally got where you are, that you're not smart enough or good enough, that someone's going to figure it out, right? Those thoughts can apply at any level of your career, at any year of your marriage, right? I mean, I'm always astounded how many of my clients have been in relationships for 10 or 15 years and still worry that at any moment their partner is going to decide they don't love them or find out they're unworthy. It can apply at any weight or body size, in any friendship or relationship. There's nothing you can change externally that will resolve those internal voices. So how do we solve it? This is going to shock you guys, but we have to change our thoughts. I know you did not see that coming. So the tool that you can use to get from your current imposter syndrome to actually believing yourself is called the thought ladder. So I'm going to teach it to you guys here, but you can also download a little guide, like a mini ebook. It's just a few pages that will walk you through what I've talked about on this podcast, the thought ladder and how to do it. And you can get that at www.redesignyourmind.com forward slash imposter. So the thought ladder is a three-step process that actually helps you change your brain so that over time, you naturally will think more helpful and empowering thoughts. Step one, always, we always start in any tool I teach you, we always start with figuring out what you are thinking about yourself now. So this might be something like, I don't belong here, or I'm not as good as my colleagues, or someone is going to figure out that I'm not smart enough. Whatever you're currently thinking about yourself goes at the bottom of the ladder. And it's really important you just pick one. You can do the ladder as many times as you want, but each ladder needs to start with one single thought. If you put too many thoughts down there, you will get overwhelmed and you'll just feel like, how can I change all of these? You don't need to. You just start with one, one thought. So you figured out what you think now. And the next step is to brainstorm what you wish you could believe about yourself. So this will be something you don't believe right now. That's okay. That's a really important thing to understand. 
This step two, this goal thought, this thing you wish you could believe about yourself, you don't believe it right now, and that's totally fine. So you can dream big. It can be a thought like, I'm incredible at this job, or I can achieve anything I want, or I'm smart enough to succeed in any position I choose, right? This thought goes to the top of your thought ladder. It's your goal thought, the thought you don't believe now, but you'd like to. It's important because it shows us where we're going. It's like knowing the end of the path. And then step three, this is where the real magic happens. You know, brainstorm three thoughts that you could try to think now. So these thoughts should be more neutral or positive than your current thought, right? So if your current thought is, I don't belong here, and your goal thought is, I'm the best here, <laughs> right? You're going to go for something in between, like, I've gotten good reviews at this job, or they hired me because they thought I would do a good job, or I've accomplished many things in my life, even though I felt insecure at the time, or I have equivalent experience and skills as my colleagues, right? These are not like, I'm amazing on top of the world thoughts. And that's fine. That's good. You don't believe the amazing I'm on top of the world thoughts. We want to find a thought that is just a step up. It's really in between the current thought and the goal thought. It needs to be a thought you can believe now. Here's how you tell if you believe a thought. You think the thought and then you check in your body and see if it feels any better than what you usually think. If it does, then you believe it. It might just be a little bit better. That's okay. Baby steps are awesome. So you have to make sure you can believe it, right? It won't feel amazing necessarily, but it should feel better than what you usually are thinking about yourself. So I kind of lied. It was a baby lie because there is a fourth step. <laughs> you have to practice whichever thought you brainstormed that you liked the best. Or you can practice all of them, right? We came up with three in the example. You can read them over every morning. You can read them anytime you feel insecure. You can put them on a post-it note on your computer. You can set an alarm on your phone to remind you to think them. Like literally the more you can think them, the better. You do not have to think them all the time, right? Don't let perfectionism, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good here. If you read them over once a day, that's great. If you read them over 10 times a day, that's even awesomer, right? The more you think them, the quicker they will become your new natural thoughts. But even a little bit of consistent practice every day helps. You know, when we think about changing our thoughts or changing anything in our lives, we tend to get overwhelmed by thinking about how much we would have to do. But the truth is the human brain has a bias where it overestimates how much would have to be done to change something like a big dramatic action and underestimates the value of small daily consistent practice. I did not change my brain in my whole life by working really, really hard at it for six months all the time in some giant feat of discipline that I could never do again. Of course not. I had a job. I had a relationship. I had family. I had hobbies. I did not go sit on a mountain and meditate for six months. I just practiced a little bit every day. And just like compound interest, that will pay off. All right. So if you want to download the guide that will help you deal with imposter syndrome and walk you through this process again, you can go to www.redesignyourmind.com forward slash imposter. And otherwise, I will see you all here next week. All right, my loved ones, my lovely chickens, I will talk to you guys next week. If this episode resonated with you, you need to come check out The Clutch. Because once you've learned how to coach yourself, we have an entire bonus workbook on overcoming work stress. Take you through exercises to deal with overwhelm, to deal with difficult colleagues or bosses, to deal with anxiety, imposter syndrome, worry about your work life, overwhelm, everything that impacts you at work. Plus, you can get access to daily support and expert coaching to help you manage your anxiety 
around literally anything that can come up in the office or at home. You can learn how to overcome imposter syndrome, avoid burnout, and show up confidently at work. I know it's possible because I've done this work on myself. You can sign up at unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch, or you can just text your email address to 347-934-8861, and we will send you a link right to your phone where you can check out all the information. It's my favorite place in the world, and I cannot wait to share it with you.